Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are mixed this morning following an overnight sell-off on Wall Street. The Nikkei is down half a percent. Seoul is in the red as well. Sydney is bucking the trend, trading up a bit less than half a percent as investors there applaud a new stimulus plan. The catalyst for today's selling, U.S. President Donald Trump's decision to cut off negotiations in Washington with Democrats for a new stimulus package. Joining me now for more discussion is Ryan Huang. All right, it is a quintessential hump day. How are you feeling? Feeling okay. We're yet one more day closer to the weekend, so I'm keeping my hopes up on that front. The barometer of his happiness varies in you know, anticipation of the weekend. I'm seeing a pattern here, Ryan. Okay, we said on this show before, but what a difference a day makes. Yesterday, investors were feeling optimistic. The U.S. president was released from hospital. Prospects for a new stimulus deal seem good. But now, U.S. President Donald Trump has pulled the plug on stimulus negotiations, accusing the Democrats of not negotiating in good faith. Instead, he proposes to wait until after the election. So, unless Trump changes his mind, this means there will be no new stimulus until November at the earliest, and most likely later than that. What are the real-world consequences of this decision? What does this mean for the U.S. economy? Yeah, so that really came as a surprise to, to many people, right? It's like a balloon being blown up day after day, and then you get it being burst by this tweet that came overnight. And that, of course, uh, is the cancellation of stimulus talks until maybe after mm. the, the US elections are done. And that stimulus is important when you take into context the trajectory of the US recovery picture. Uh, we had uh, an earlier round of stimulus, and by some measures, that sugar rush from the earlier package is starting to fade. If you look at some of the numbers coming through from the um, jobs front, for example, um, last week's jobs report showed only 661,000 jobs were added back to the economy. That's fewer than expected. And if you look at the um, jobs uh, creation patterns, uh, they have been stalling to some extent. So that is also a bit of a worrying sign that the recovery trajectory may be stalling and plateauing. So the other important thing to take note of is that the crisis has been unequal in the in the in terms of how some of the lower income brackets or groups of people have been harder hit. And if things continue without more stimulus, the worry is that those people will get even a harder time to come out of a hole that becomes bigger. So if there is no stimulus, Fed Chair Jerome Powell in a statement overnight said it would be potentially an economic tragedy. So that's a really stark warning coming from him. Investors certainly did not like the sound of Trump's announcement, which was made via Twitter while the markets were open. The Dow, the Nasdaq and S&P 500 all fell upwards of 1.3%. Meanwhile, we have an interesting economic stat to report. The US trade deficit has widened to 67 billion US dollars. That's the highest level in 14 years. Since he was a candidate five years ago, Trump is focused on lowering the trade deficit, but it's clearly moving in the other direction. So what is behind this growing trade gap? Yeah, when it comes to trade gap and trade deficits, there are a few moving parts, right? So I'm just going to run through numbers first. So we have the trade deficit climbing almost 6% to around $67 billion. So this is the third highest levels on record 
and the widest deficit in 14 years. And looking at the imports, that rose 3.2%. But you have exports increasing at a smaller rate, 2.2%. So you have a mismatch and you have imports going um, up faster. So that's why the deficit widens. And part of this reflects how the US economy is recovering faster than its trade partners. And if you look at some of the things panning out in the industry, for example, air travel, and that is getting a huge crunch. So the US travel services industry does not export as much of its expertise outside of the US. So that is getting a bit of a, making a bit of a dent on its export numbers. And if you look at the GDP that is going to come out for the third quarter, this is likely to shave a few points off that figure when it does come out. So all in, uh, this reflects how the global picture is quite uneven in terms of the recovery. Yeah, and how inflexible um, deficits are really to changes in trade policy. These things take time. Before we move to other regions, a note about the spreading circle of COVID-19 in Washington. Another top White House advisor, Stephen Miller, has tested positive for COVID. And top U.S. military leaders, including the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, are quarantining after being exposed to the virus. Would you say that these reports are weighing on markets, right? I think that is one of many headlines that investors are trying to digest, right? You have a lot to really work with. And with what's happening with the White House, that is an additional uh, reason to get a bit more worried because what is going on? You expect the White House to have things under control. And with how, I guess, people are reading into this, one of the ways to interpret it is that it is the contact tracing program in the White House is too messy is to haphazard. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lid on things. And that may have the potential for things to spiral out of control. So that is, I think, one worry factor out of many worry factors they have to put on their plate. Well, Joe Biden's worried, but Trump isn't worried. Trump says he's looking forward to next week's debate with Joe Biden and says he plans to be there in person. Biden says it's a good idea to cancel the debate. What would you do <laughs> if you were in I Biden's position? I would put position? them both in a bubble like <laughs> how they do in Miss Universe, right? So that keeps them safe from each other. And also you get a chance to mute their mics. Aye, you're right. I think John Donald Trump has easy access to that Miss Universe bubble. <laughs> Let's shift gears and bring the conversation to Singapore. Transport Minister Ong Yi Kang has expounded on plans to establish air travel bubbles in a bid to revive Changi Airport. Speaking in Parliament yesterday, Ong said, what's at stake is not just hundreds of thousands of jobs, but Singapore's status as an air hub and its relevance to the world. So what do we know about the government's plans to bring back air travellers, Ryan? Yeah, so he is pretty much saying the airline is far from being out of the woods and for Singapore especially, we don't have a domestic market network. So it is really crucial for SIA and Changi Airport to get the wheels spinning again, to get the economy, the aviation sector and the larger ecosystem back on track because this affects many jobs and has many multiplier effects down downstream. And what he is saying is uh, we need to start thinking about how we can manage the uh, reopening of borders and re tr- restarting of travel in a safe manner. So he's saying things that can be considered include setting a quota on the number of travelers per day and ensuring that everyone gets a COVID-19 test. And he's also looking at travelers applying for an air travel pass before their journeys. So the authorities have time to plan for their arrivals and um, can manage their itinerary a bit better. 
So these are just some of the schemes that Singapore is looking at as it starts to reopen its borders. And it's worth noting that on the back of that, SIA shares mm. were up 5 cents or 1.4% to close at 3.55. Well, it'll be good to hear more activity at Changi Airport. That's for sure. I head there for lunch quite often since I live nearby. Despite these plans, Transport Minister Ong says the likelihood of Singaporeans being able to take a December holiday overseas is unfortunately low. So, no plans for December halls. Another local headline caught my eye this morning. GIC, Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund, is reportedly planning to invest $1 billion US dollars in Jack Ma's Ant Group. So, do we know when Ant will go public? Yeah, looking at the timeline... It could be soon, it could be later. What we know now is they are waiting on approval from the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. They are doing a dual listing in Hong Kong and Shanghai. They have the Shanghai part done. They've got a green light there. So just waiting on Hong Kong. And of course, we've been getting so much uh, news around Ant Group's IPO. It's set to be the biggest on record at around $35 billion. You have a few huge names behind it, including GIC. And so much interest, so much so that they don't even need cornerstone investors. And these are typically part of the IPO picture where you give um, a sizable allocation to big investors for them to stabilize the market and keep that um, stock for a few months. But they feel, hey, we don't need that because we have so much interest in the Ant Group IPO. Yeah, speaking of interest, I'll have a commentator come on in about 45 minutes. So we're going to take a closer look at Ant's upcoming IPO. In other news, Democratic lawmakers are calling for Congress to rein in big tech, possibly forcing Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple to break up their business. The committee says the companies have monopoly power that needs to be reined in. So what are the proposals on the table for doing this? Yeah, this piece of news is actually flying under the radar with Donald Trump really overshadowing things. But it is important to note that this report has a potential big impact downstream for the big tech companies. So it has been an ongoing investigation for a good part of two years. And you might remember back in July, the four CEOs facing Congress being grilled over how they manage their business and why they are not a monopoly. So that was, if you remember, quite a high-profile grilling in uh, in Congress. And mm. now they have a report and they are recommending that the big tech companies need to be broken up because they are a monopoly. And one reason behind that is how they operate in the marketplace and also compete in it. So they have the power to write one set of rules for other people and operate on their own rules. So that is the somewhat of an unlevel playing field that the report is trying to stamp out. And to put a lid on how much dominance these big tech companies have, they're also recommending that acquisitions for these big tech companies be restricted on approval. Uh, they want it only to be approved if um, they can't grow organically in the same manner. So they are really concerned about these big tech companies growing too big to control. And this is going to be something uh, worth watching because mm. depending on who wins the elections, the Democrats is likely to push ahead with these recommendations much more so than the Republicans. Interesting. We're currently 17 minutes into the local trading day. The STI climbed half a percent yesterday to close at 25.29. Are Singapore blue chips adding on to those gains or is the STI following Wall Street lower this morning? 30 seconds on the clock. <laughs> Good question. And so far, it's red 
pretty much the same for all across Asia. And you've got STI down by 0.3%. That is 2,521 points yesterday. It was up for a second day in a row, which hit a one-month high. So opening minutes not looking too good. All right, that's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. This is Market View Straight Ahead. Skills that your children are going to need to navigate a new normal. Stay with me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.